You are listening to Engaging and Exciting Conversation on the Radiant Culture Podcast. Podcast. Get ready. Now. What's up, everybody? You're listening to the Radiant Culture Podcast, and I'm your host, T-Mac, and I'm joined by Cookie Monster. Cookie Monster in the house. It's been a minute. How are you doing? I'm good. It's been a minute, indeed. How's life on the other side? On the other side of what? Huh? Um, life is okay. On the other side of singlehood. Oh, um, yeah, that's 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 different. <laughs> <laughs> Marriage is different from being single. I'll tell you that. But yeah, I'm learning a lot. All right. Mainly about myself. Cool. Yeah. yeah. This is good. This is very good. And we've got Dr. T in the house. Hello, everyone. I'm well, I'm well. I hope everyone is good. Yeah. No, we are not good. We are fighting a pandemic. What do you mean? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I, I promised myself I won't say anything controversial today. So. <laughs> Which we know you to do. <laughs> no, nah, man. Uh, Dr. Dr. Tonde is... Um, he's, he's no stranger to the podcast. And he, he's been here before. He's a good friend of ours. And he's someone, an actual doctor. Yeah, he's not, an actual doctor, my book, like, by the way. Well, also in my, well, you know what I mean. He's a doctor. You know, like not one of yeah. these like fake PhD type doctors. <laughs> we have lots of them in Zim, you know. But no, he's like a proper doctor. Like a deep doctor. Anyway, so today we are continuing with... Um, the last episode that we did was a tribute to Ravi Zacharias uh, that many of you may know. Who many of you may know. Uh, he passed away last month and Ravi Zacharias was a Christian apologist and evangelist and uh, possibly the most um, popular and the most well-known Christian apologist who defended the faith in a variety, a variety of circles and on different platforms from governments to um, universities and yeah he, he really defended the faith in some hostile um set settings and so he is someone that we highly respect and he was part of the he was a huge inspiration in uh the setting up of radiant culture so today we want to get into the actual subject of apologetics a uh, christian apologetics and i know many people have heard the term many of us have uh even pr- probably watched you watched videos on youtube and stuff like that but we we want to break it down today and begin the uh, i guess begin the process of um educating our audience about what uh, what christian apologetics is actually about so dr t is going to be helping us do that can i tell you what i first thought it was the first time i heard the term apologetics i mm-hmm. was like but why should we apologize for being christian we're unashamed <laughs> i'm not gonna apologize like i thought it was such a negative thing i really was like apologetic like it just was not computing it is quite a misleading brain. term right yeah. <laughs> we're gonna apologize <laughs> so no i did my research then i yeah. realized it comes from a greek word apologia which means defense then i was like okay i take that back yeah <laughs> it's crazy so I think a lot of people actually go through that where they're like, okay, but why are you apologizing for for what you believe? So it can be quite misleading. So I think this is a very important um, episode that we have today because we actually want to get into that. So maybe we'll we'll dive straight in. Um, Dr. T, um, 
I think one of the most important questions that I've personally been asked is what is apologetics? You keep going on and on about this whole apologetics yeah. thing. Yeah. What is it? What is it all about? Um, and many people think that it's an academic yeah. term, an academic discipline. So we, we can we can start with that. All right. Yeah. No, thank, thank you very much, Kay. Um, you know, the first time I heard um, about apologetics, um, you're quite right. Emotions of academia come into it. It's for people with PhDs and masters or people who have gone to seminary school or are debating on that platform. Um, and like you have mentioned earlier on, you sort of um, associate it with um, what we grew up with, the word apologize. You know, when you're growing up, um, your parents tell you apologize to your younger sister and that means say sorry, right. you know, um, as opposed to give an explanation and a reason for what has transpired. Um, we associate apologizing with apologetics and unfortunately it be, you're muddling up the terms. Right. Um, as was just said earlier, apologetics is from apologia and we're saying we're giving a defense, we're giving an explanation, a reason, a statement to be able to um, justify um, your philosophy or your worldview. Mm -hmm. you know? So it's really about crystallizing um, mentally what you believe and why you believe it. And I would say standing on some premise as to why you believe what you believe. You know, I don't know if that makes sense. As opposed to um, being on the defensive stance, it can actually be a very aggressive tool um, in evangelizing or, you know, standing your ground in your in your Christian walk and in your faith. So that's how I view apologetics. Um, apologetics, it's about really knowing and understanding, having a reason for your faith yeah. and why you believe what you believe. And I'll take it a step further and to say, to be able to also communicate and articulate that to those around you. Right. right. It's not just for yourself, but it also becomes um, a tool to evangelize to those around you. Yeah. All right. So, so to me, that's really what apologetics is about. Yeah. Uh, T-Mac, you said earlier that the first time you heard the term, you thought it was... Um, <laughs> it, it was apologizing, right? Mm -hmm. Or where uh, somebody is apologizing for what for what they believe. Um, maybe what what we can actually do before we we get into um, the actual meat of the conversation. I'd love to to know how how did you guys come to um, the knowledge about apologetics? Like how how were you first introduced to it? How did you get to a place where you actually then um, knew what it was and what's the journey been like? Okay, I'll, I'll let you um, know. How did I come to know what it was? I have a really intelligent brother. So he's the one. Like, so this whole conversation happened in my head. I didn't verbalize it to anyone. I just kind of just, oh, it's apologizing for your faith. Okay, I'm not interested. But then I think I was in his <laughs> car one day and he was playing Ravi, actually. Um or a sermon. Oh, if you can call it a sermon. It's not really a sermon. But yeah, he was playing Ravi Zacharias. And then he sort of explained to me what apologetics was. And I did not tell him what I thought it was because I knew he'd laugh at me. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's kind of how I figured out. Oh, so it's a good thing. Okay, I got it. Your brother yeah. is very intelligent. He is quite. Yeah. Yeah, so... Because he hangs around me. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Dr. T. Yeah, no, thanks for that. Um, you know, um, I, I found out really from you, Cookie, you know, so you, you introduced it to me um, through Rabbi Zacharias. And I think for all of us, you know, you had a great impact, not just on ourselves, but globally, you know, yeah. on the stage of apologetics. And even way down here in sub-Saharan Africa, we, we still feel the effects of his teachings. So um, once you introduced me to his podcast, I started to, to um, search him out on YouTube and came across a lot of his Q&As. And he was never caught off guard. You know, right. that's, that's, that's what, that's what fascinated me. <laughs> he always had a response for every worldview or every question he was asked. And I think what I found most fascinating about his arguments is that he never really drew um, strictly from the Bible. Right. And he didn't contradict the Bible. Um, he didn't say anything contrary to it, but he could explain um, his position without having to always make reference to it. And I found that really fascinating because in a debate or a discussion with someone, some say, but I don't believe the Bible. Right. It's not a place of authority for me. So, you know, it sort of um, squashes everything else you're going to say. So, I, you know, that's, that's when I really got hooked onto it. Um, just started listening to him, following him. Um, and from that, a lot of other apologists that are associated with him. Yeah. yeah so, so that was my introduction to it. And yeah, we're still going strong. Yes. So yeah, I think the the journey was similar for me. I well, it was through Ravi that I really started to learn about apologetics, <clears throat> which was several years ago. And then, of course, the journey began and began to learn a lot, read a lot, uh, do courses, etc., etc. And so, uh, so I guess just in line with that, what what would you say? Because I love what you said about Ravi that he was never caught off guard, yeah. right? And one of the challenges that we often see as Christians is that. There, there's like a whole host of questions that people have, objections that they have to the Bible, to the Christian faith. And sometimes you just don't know what to say. You don't know mm. how to respond. Yeah. Right. And I, I know that even like some of these things are not, they're not addressed in a church setting. Yeah. So people, people don't know how to, to address them. Like I, I know the times where somebody asks a question and the Christians would be like, I oh, know you just have to believe it. You just have to have faith. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Faith yeah. is a very personal thing. Yeah. And as true as all that may be, those are not convincing answers when someone someone is actually searching yeah. for for uh for, for answers to deep questions that they may have. So what can we say is the role of apologetics in in a Christian's life? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, no, that's 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 a very interesting question, Kay. So what what people at times don't really realize is where a lot of these arguments for the existence of God actually originated from within the church itself. Right. So um, you go back to the 1800s and probably a bit before that, you find that the arguments for the existence of God, it didn't come as an attack on the church, but the church actually um, just generated and produced these arguments almost as if it's solidifying um, that it's case with time, you know, people have started to take jabs at the Christian faith or a theistic worldview. When I say theistic, we're saying the belief of a transcend transcendent being or a God of some form. Um, in terms of its specific role to us, you know, how I see it is I see it as a pre-evangelical um, ramp or runway. 
-hmm. with Billy Graham, if you look at his message, um, it's, it's, um, it's very simple. His message was, you're a sinner, um, and you've sinned against God, and you're going to go to hell unless you repent. And people would respond to the altar call. But you come 50 years down the road or, you know, longer than that, um, there are a lot of presuppositions in that statement. Yeah. If you say someone's a sinner, it assumes there's right and wrong. It assumes that there's a standard we should be living by. It assumes that someone has given that standard and assumes that there is a God. So you've started the conversation um, way up the road. In today's world, you're starting the conversation, is there even a God yeah. in the first place? Yeah. So I see it as a spectrum um, and a ramp or a runway to be able to gauge where someone's worldview is to know where to start the conversation. Yeah. You know, so for me in the Christian's life, um, if I'm speaking to a colleague, a friend, a family member, um, you know, I hate to use the term, but I need to diagnose where they are. Right in the line are they i don't believe in any god or i believe there's a god i don't know which one um and then i can chart my way forward so i think in a christian's life it gives you um um a run-up to the conversation yeah hmm. yeah wow and isn't it interesting that i guess because most of us especially within an african context were brought up in a sometimes mostly in a christian with a Christian background of some sort, yeah. right? Your parents go to church. Uh, usually it's the mom who goes to church. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? And we yeah. all kind of, we yeah. all have to go to church. Yeah. And we then naturally assume that that's how everyone else is. And yeah. so there's just that natural progression. You go to church and then at some point you then choose to become serious about right. God and you take it on. But for some people, it's it's never like that, right? There are people right. who, who grow up with no... Um, theistic background right. at all or the people who go to uni yeah. right so you've grown up in a christian family and everything then you go to university right and then it's like there's a yeah. whole whole load of stuff that comes your way that you yeah. you were never prepared to confront um so maybe in line with that t-mac i know like you you went to uni outside the country mm -hmm. and you were in a christian setting okay, before you went to a youth work. group <laughs> You're a good Christian girl. <laughs> and then and then you go to this. <laughs> and then How is this even part of this discussion? <laughs> and then you're thrust in this other totally yeah. different environment. And, and the thing is, you know, I've heard too many stories of guys that I knew that went to uni and totally lost their faith. Mm. Right. So I know this is like random, but I think it fits into what yeah. we're talking about. Right. That like, what what do you think? Uh, what, what, what was your experience? And what do you think could have been done to, to prepare you mm. for for that as a Christian? Okay. Well, first of all, I wasn't like wilding out in university. No, no, I'm not saying you were. I'm not um, saying you're not. You're not buying this. <laughs> <laughs> what could have been done to prepare me? Well, well, all those things you mentioned did actually help, like going to the youth groups and having that foundation certainly made a difference because my faith when I left was not like a superficial thing. It was part of my identity. Not was, still is. <laughs> so um, when I went, I, I don't know, I guess God's favor and grace, I found a lot of like-minded people. So those are the ones who became my 
core, like my inner circle. And then obviously because you're in uni, you're coming across for the first time people of mm. different faiths, yeah. Hindu, Muslim, <coughs> atheists, which you don't come across as much here because we most of us go to a Christian high school. And even if it's not overtly Christian, it's it's you kind of find yourselves in situations where you're going to a chapel or you're mm-hmm. part of the choir or mm. it's it's not in your face, but whether or not Kumba you are doing that on a Sunday at school, usually you were exposed to it. So it mm. wasn't foreign to you. But these other faiths were foreign to me. Like I didn't have only had one friend in Zim who was Hindu. Apart from her, I hadn't had many interactions with people who were from other religions. So for for me, that was the shift because, yeah, you you need to be, you need to learn sensitivity, but at the same time, you need to deepen your own roots to really understand. Okay, so why is mine the one? <laughs> right. Mm. Like, why is my faith the one yeah. that trumps all yeah. of these? Because yeah. in the first world, there's more this culture of acceptance and tolerance, tolerance and yeah. you have. If you say something is the truth, it's like everyone takes offense. Like, no, but I have my own truth. So mm. it's a lot of those situations that you're faced with that really force you to examine your own faith. So that's yeah. kind of what I did, and I and I was blessed enough to finally find a really good church. Mm-hmm. And I had that call. But then one of my closest friends when I was there, she was from Mongolia and she's, I can't remember what their religion is called. Mm. But she was more like on a journey of trying to figure out what she believed because she didn't really subscribe to what her family did, nor was she Buddhist. Like she was kind of trying to figure it all out and right. she just liked fun. So for her, she was like, if there's fun things happening at your church, <laughs> I'll come along for those. <laughs> <laughs> so she'd come along, she'd have a fun time, but it wasn't, it didn't really, she'd come for cell group sometimes and I was like, oh Lord, how do I get through to her? Like, it's not just only about the fun. Yeah. So unfortunately, I left before, I left Australia before I could really, really walk with her down mm-hmm. that journey. But it was a good experience to see like, how everybody's journey is different. Yeah. 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 Because I think what we tend to do is we take a lot, like I, I'm speaking for myself, we, we tend to take a lot of things for granted. Yeah. Um, if, you, if you've grown up as a Christian and you've gone to church your whole life, uh, whether or not you're fully committed, but you just, you just kind of assume that everyone, I guess everyone knows there's God yeah. somewhere. Uh, and then now when you're confronted with life and uh, even as a Christian, when some of these questions start coming and you begin to see that there's people who have totally different worldviews, who have totally yeah. different beliefs. Some people are even hostile to yep. Christianity. Uh, there's now need for you to know what your faith is, is based on. Um, and the reason why I asked that question, T-Mac, is, is, because, is precisely because of that, that sometimes as Christians, we don't know why we believe what we believe. Mm. We, we know it because it's been preached yeah. to us. We know it because... The Bible says so, and but then why do we believe what we believe? What is the what, what are the roots of the Christian faith? So, and what I find, or what I found very um, interesting about Ravi is the way he referenced history, the way he referenced yeah. different uh, like philosophy and all of that, and then how all of that got packaged to bring the gospel and to bring understanding 
um, about what Christianity is actually mm. all about. So, what what would you say is the importance of, I guess, having a scholarly approach, if if I can call it that, right? In fact, in fact I'll say this: if you look at Paul, yeah, on that uh, the, the the Mars Hill, yeah, uh, that that Act Seventeen, and like that whole thing, Paul Paul is very knowledgeable knowledgeable yeah. about his faith and about uh, a lot of things and yeah. he presents the gospel to to those greek guys there and uh totally you know in a totally different way yeah and and yet paul is regarded as you know the the probably the most what do they call him there's there's a term that i heard but you know, but, but paul is regarded as, as somebody who's very crucial very key to the christian faith yeah so I'm saying that if somebody like that needed to have such a deep understanding of um, the times uh, during during those days, things that were happening, the philosophies that were prevalent in those days, right? Uh, what what can we say about us and where we are? You know, how important is it for us to to have that yeah. scholarly approach to right. our faith? Yeah, right. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll just take that one. And I like your example and Paul because um, that was the example I had come with, you know, and I think it's probably one of his most, well, our most well-documented accounts of him really confronting the ideas of the day. So I'll just, you know, just make reference to, to one of the verses. Um, so it's from Acts 17, um, verse 16 going forward. It's interesting that just before this account, he had been debating in the synagogue. So you're deliberately going to the synagogue and debate um, um, the Jews. So in this account, he was debating the Greeks. And the Greeks he was debating were of the Stoic philosophy mm-hmm. and uh, Epicureans. The Epicureans um, had been around and would actually debate the students of Plato for the past 300 years. And the Stoics were new on the block. And so Paul came and they were asking, they actually asked him to come to their place of learning, you know, into the marketplace to come and present your case as to why you believe what you believe. And Paul confronted them and presented it. And so you hear this account of him actively going into the synagogue to debate the Jewish uh, worldview. He actively went into the Greek sphere to debate the philosophies of the time. And it always accounts about how we'd go into the marketplace as well. Yeah. And you would act. So he was, it's not a defensive posture. He was going to them. So it was an aggressive posture. You know, unlike, like we mentioned earlier on in the podcast, how we think of apologetics um, off the bat, it's easy to mistake in it as uh, being defensive. But Paul used it as a very offensive approach. So going to modern day, You've got your rabbis, the late Rabbi Zacharias, Nabil Qureshi. Mm-hmm. We had um, William Lane Craig, Craig is still yeah. alive, you know, Turek. And they, every time a book is written by an atheist, they always have a response to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whenever a worldview is being pushed, they always have a response to it. This is our Christian response, and this is what we think um, is the appropriate response to it. So um, its role is that aggressive stands form in today's in today's world i think as individuals we shouldn't be shying back but we should be speaking out even more in mm-hmm. meekness and in kindness i don't know if that 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 answers your question yeah. is that cool 
So what would you guys say to that person who their Christian journey has been more experiential? Like they know for sure I, I've experienced God. I know the Holy Spirit. I, Jesus is with me all the time. Like I don't necessarily need to be able to engage yeah. in a historical session with someone to convince them of my faith. Like surely my life should speak for itself. Mm-hmm. Like, is there, does everyone have to have this sort of weapon in their arsenal ready to wield in certain discussions, or it's not for everybody? Good question. Very good question. Dr. T. (laughs) That's why I'm here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so, so, so maybe, yeah, so how I see it, it's important to be able to communicate in the language of the day. So... If you take any random TV show, there's the nice narrative that's superficial, but there's always seems to be an agenda in quotations underneath it. Mm-hmm. And when you're able to pick it up, you're able to um, discuss it. It becomes a point of reference. Um, you're able to respond to it. So if I just give a really crazy example, um, Star Wars. Anyone watch Star Wars? Yeah, mm-hmm. right. You are Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, yeah. Star. Okay. Yeah, you, you, you. But you, you ask yourself. Okay, you know, take a step back out of the characters, and you ask yourself, what is the narrative? You know, you've got Which two battle between good and evil. Exactly. You've yeah. got two opposing forces, good and evil, um, that are constantly in battle from eternity before and eternity forward neither of them ever conclusively wins mm-hmm. and they're all derived from the same source mm-hmm. so it's almost a pantheistic worldview with maybe a bit of dualism involved in it right and so you're able to please explain pantheism. yeah we're gonna, we're gonna need to just explain <laughs> okay, sorry, those terms pantheism, <laughs> dualism. so so dualism is the worldview that um you know there is a good and a bad to the world and that they're constantly in, in battle, you know. One force never really overpowers the other conclusively, but it's just, you know, for eternity f- past and forward, they've just always been in this battle. Pantheism is different in the sense that um, I think Hindus are pantheists, yep. you know, where the world and God are all one. Everything in about the world, it's all um, meshed together yep. into a single into a single unit. Yeah. And th- another um, aspect of dualism yeah. is the fact that these two forces are not actively involved in Yeah, right. in what's going on. They're kind of watching from a distance and these things Correct. are just kind of yeah, unfolding. Yeah. Yeah. So 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 you look at the narratives in movies, you look at the narratives in novels. Um it's almost like philosophies are being snuck into it and being pushed into into our worldview and media i think rave talks about it at the one time that the problem with media is like a hot wire straight into the brain it passes Mm -hmm. all reason Mm -hmm. and people just take it as as truth as gospel truth you know and start living by a pattern that they may not necessarily have scrutinized and analyzed so do we need to have a historical um um very well thought out academic approach I think to some extent it's a good thing to have. I don't think everybody goes to the same depth. Yeah. That's understandable. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, to be able to 
to to have a basis or at least refer to um, a text or an answer that you're able to give, yeah. I think is a good thing. Yeah. yeah. If I can just add to that, uh, what, one of the most important things, if we look at the pattern of like even the life of Jesus, the way he was able to reference history yeah. And um, the fact that if you if you look at the many scriptures where he talk about Solomon, he talk about yeah. um, Deuteronomy, I think Deuteronomy 8 is the scripture that he, he probably quoted the most from. Uh, even on that walk, what's that walk called? The, the, the road to Am, Amos or something, I've forgotten. But after he had resurrected and he's walking with those two disciples and he hadn't disclosed himself. And they're, they're all talking about uh, what had happened in Israel, how this good man, this righteous man got killed. And then mm. he, he gets into it. He starts giving them this whole um, historical backdrop of what had happened. And so his knowledge of history was so deep that these guys invited him to, to spend the night. And yeah. only when he broke the bread, then found out it was actually Jesus. But I think that already tells you the importance of um, of having an some sort of understanding about where, where things have come from, why things are the way they are. Right. And even the Bible does talk about the fact that we, says my people perish because of a lack of knowledge. And I think for us believers, it's important to, to have some sort of understanding about what's going on. Like you said, the philosophies that are being snuck in, the different worldviews that are, that are becoming more, more dominant, some of the messages that are being pushed, agendas that are being pushed, just to understand where we're at. And, but sometimes the only way to understand where we're at is to yeah. also understand how we've gotten mm. here. Yeah. So some form of understanding is important. And I guess the best way is through studying, through reading, and not because of YouTube and places like that. You can actually just watch yeah. videos. Mm. So that's, that's what I would also um, add I have to a question that. for the both of you, since you're both scholars of this apologetic thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> is there... Um, are there teachings or things that you can learn that would address questions that specifically would affect the African thinker or believer? Like, because Africa, we deal with things that are a bit different from Asian countries or the West in terms of the questions that people would present to you. Because we have that kind of overarching belief in God, although mm -hmm. people approach him in different ways, whether it be through traditional religion or through traditional Roman Catholic or Anglican or Methodist or whatever. So in your learning apologetics, has there been like things that are specific, that arguments rather, that you guys can use when addressing Africans in particular? Or all of them kind of just work for whoever you're talking to. <laughs> you know, um, Listen, there's only one doctor in this room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I wanted the chance to chew my words before I speak. <laughs> so, so, so how I'm, I've heard a similar question being asked. And I think the question um, wasn't necessarily specifically framed in an African context. But the question was asked... Um, how do you know that Christianity is correct when there's so many different worldviews? Have you experienced and studied and read all there is to know about you know the world to be able to say the Christian philosophy or worldview yeah. is correct? Yeah. You know, and the answer that um, you know makes most sense to me is that most things fall into 
just three categories. It's either someone is atheistic, is theistic, mm-hmm. or is pantheistic. Mm-hmm. You know. So if you look at the African context, it's not that we don't believe in the spiritual world. The spiritual world yeah, is yeah. there. I'm scared out of, you know, much. so <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> 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 you just watch Nollywood and you know <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, you know. So so there's that understanding that okay, there is a transcendent being and we don't think of them being many, although there may be many forces involved, mm. we think of them being one, yeah. you know. So you actually really put it in a theistic worldview. Mm. But um, with all worldviews, it has to be holistic. It can't just answer the question of transcendence. Mm. It has to answer the question of, you know, justice, um, origin, you know, destiny. Where are we coming from? Where are we going? Why are we, you know? Mm. Um, and so if I were asking or answering specific questions to the African context, yeah. I'll be viewing it from that perspective. I don't know if that answers yeah. your question. Mm-hmm. So it's a theistic, we have a theistic worldview. The, you know, we've got a few ancestors here, there, and a few mm. other spirits hovering around. But by and large, you can put most worldviews into either atheistic, theistic or pantheistic mm. and then you're now able to sift it out that way yeah. from a theistic worldview is just judaism islam and christianity as the dominant ones and you probably could put um some african religions yeah, in there as well for sure you know and yeah i would start my argument from there mm. and then the proof of christianity is the resurrection of jesus christ mm. um without that there is no christianity so I would answer the questions from that perspective. Because yeah. Yeah. I find right now um, there's a lot of this... Um, I can't reconnect it to Black Lives Matter or anything like that, but mm. there's this notion now that we've been deceived, this Christianity is a white man's faith, we should go Ryan. back to our roots and Ryan. find God that way. Yeah. So that's Ryan. why I'm asking like, about what do you say to the African what, person? What I always find mm. interesting when people say that is it's very tempting and sometimes it's, it, it, it even makes sense for people to to have that uh, view and it's mostly driven by yep. some you know Being pa- woke. pain pain that <laughs> people have experienced yeah. and when people look at the history of uh, Christianity itself it mm. does have a checkered history in yeah. some you know in, in, in many ways and the fact that Christianity itself was used as a tool for colonization in some instances, right. right? However, what I like about what Ravi said is that he said, you don't judge your philosophy by its abuse. Mm, mm. I like that. Right. And so when certain things are what being... What a that? What a that? <laughs> that is my answer for all of these <laughs> And so you, you don't look at something based on how it's been abused, right? right? And the example there is like, for example, like if we... Um, there was that case of the protesters somewhere in the States, I've forgotten what city, and this guy got into his Mustang yeah. and he drove his car into into a whole crowd of people and mm-hmm. killed some people and injured some people. Like recently? Uh, I think this is last year or the year before. Oh, oh. Yeah. Okay. So, but then if you take uh, if you take that and say Ford Mustangs are evil mm-hmm. because they kill people, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. No, it's just that someone took a car mm-hmm. That's made to be used for a specific purpose right. and used it for another for, yeah. for another purpose. Yeah. And I think even with Christianity, when you, when you look at it, that 
the gospel message is a beautiful message. Mm. Mm. But often people have taken that with another agenda yeah. and they've abused it. Yeah. And so if we now judge the whole philosophy and the whole system as uh, based on that, then we're, we're doing an injustice yeah. to it. Then the other thing is just historically, calling Christianity a white man's religion is actually kind of illogical because it's if anything it's a it's a middle eastern religion right so we we can't even call it a white man's religion so i think that's that's how i would respond to that thank you yeah yeah okay so i'm answered thanks yeah answered okay Okay, cool so (laughs) and i guess getting into that also um one of the things that i love about what ravi uh spoke about was the whole issue of worldviews right and how how do you define or evaluate a worldview mm. right whether you know to evaluate whether it's true or false and there's there's a system there that that he used and Tony, you you referred to that earlier where uh, he says every worldview has to has to answer four very crucial questions the question of origin the question of meaning morality mm. and destiny so maybe you can you can um elaborate on those <laughs> okay um so yeah <laughs> you caught me off guard there okay um, jo- jo- okay let me let me i can i can start and then you can you okay can no, take that's over. Fine. so um the question of origin is where does everything come from so we know that the universe is here we're all part of this big right. universe um but where did it come from every worldview has to answer that, right? So uh, atheists believe that, or some believe, uh, approach it from a scientific background where they say everything kind of happened through science and then that's when the whole Big Bang thing comes in and uh, evolution, all of that, that the universe, the laws of physics Mm. created the universe, which in itself is quite a contradiction but anyway so and then you've got uh the intelligent designer approach which is that somebody actually designed the universe and created it for it to function the way that it does right and all kind of falls into what tonde spoke about earlier that every system has to fall into either one of those three categories uh then origin meaning do we have meaning is there any purpose and meaning to um the life and the creation that is in the universe and how how do you determine that um if for example atheism says that they we're all products of a we're all products of a universe that doesn't care mm-hmm. right why why if if the universe created us and it doesn't care then essentially it means that our lives are meaningless because we're just products of a thoughtless mm-hmm. universe so, so there's, but then why are we so obsessed with meaning as human beings? So every worldview has to answer that question of meaning. The third thing is morality. How do you determine between right and wrong? Yeah. And the last thing is destiny. Where do people go after they die? Okay. So, so he says that yeah. every, every religion or every worldview, every system of thought has to be able to address um, those things. So I think even when you talk to people that are not Christian, that's a very good starting point to say, okay, Christianity teaches one, two, three, four. This is what we believe. Mm. Uh, what does your worldview say on these things? So, yeah. 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 Okay, you can go ahead. Okay. So I, I think um, 
that kind of is an important starting point. Um, and then I, I guess what I, what I want us to move into, just in line with this uh, discussion that we're having, is um, apologetics and the church. <clears throat> right. Do you, do you think that the church should be taking more of an apologetics approach? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and yeah, I guess that <laughs> yeah. you can take that away. <laughs> yeah, no, so, um, I'm, I, I do think the church has kind of put apologetics in a corner and has never really known what to do with it and has kind of left it on the sideline. Um, I know early on in our discussion, we've highlighted a number of the importances of apologetics. Um, I'll just add a few stats to it. I think in America, they estimate about a third, two thirds of um, Christians who grow up in Christian homes, um, go to college. Then when they get into university, they drop out. They, they leave Christianity altogether. Um, and it says it takes about a decade for about 50% of them to find their way back in. Wow. And the argument um, is that we, we've neglected um, the apologetics, the preparation that apologetics actually provides um, our young generation for when they go to university. There are lots of professors who've been quoted saying, I'm here to beat the Christ out of you, you wow. know. So it's, it's, it's a secular agenda. Um, it's a secular-run institution. Um, it's not so much just presenting um, an alternative worldview to Christianity. They tend to be quite hostile towards Christianity. You know, other worldviews, they are tolerated, but Christians, not so much. Mm. So, so, so I believe that the church has ignored it. Mm -hmm. And to some extent, we are feeling the pinch of letting um, that skill slide. Yeah. You know, so we're losing the younger generation to worldviews that are being introduced at a very young age mm -hmm. um, in cartoons that you're like, okay, is this what kids spend their whole day watching? Heck you know, yeah. um, you know, so so yes, so apologetics is very important for the next generation. Um, I think it's important for pre-evangelism, um, as I mentioned earlier on, to say it's your runway um, in a world that is starting point is atheistic or agnostic. You know, you've got a premise to start your, yeah. your debate and your discussion. Again, maybe so, yeah. just define the terms. Okay, so um, sorry, um, <laughs> agnostic. So agnostic is... It's like um, um, an atheist uh, slash politician. So, <laughs> wow. so an atheist will openly say, I don't believe there's a God out there. And very often get caught out because the assumption is you've searched out all knowledge in the universe and you know all things and have concluded that there is no God out there. So an agnostic takes a softer stance and says, my finite mind cannot comprehend there's a God if there is one or I just don't know that there is a God out there, you know. So I'm not going to pin myself down and say there is no God. I'll say that I don't know we'll ever know, or I don't know that there is a God out there. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't know if that answers. Yeah. Is that cool? Yeah. So, so yeah. So it's, it's combating those worldviews that I think the church has neglected. We've gone into um, an experiential corner, which is good, and I do believe you can experience God. But, you know, you need to be able to also back it with some reason. Yeah. 
Isn't part of the challenge, uh, thank you for that, thank you for that, that's very um, informative. Isn't part of the challenge that we're almost expected to not question, right, what, what, yeah. what the pastor says or what leadership says, um, especially within an African context, yeah. right? Uh, pastors, church leaders mm. have, are given a lot of authority. Yeah. They're almost placed on a pedestal. Yeah. So uh, now because your pastor is the one who is giving you the word of the year, we've spoken yeah. about the words of the year, we've done an episode on that. <laughs> your, pastor, your pastor is the one who's sort of, quote unquote, hearing from God on your behalf, yeah. right? They, they tend to hold a lot of authority. You know, worse now with a lot of, with the burgeoning of these uh, prophetic churches, mm. right? So th there's a lot of emphasis yeah. on Papa, on my yeah. prophet, my pastor. Yeah. How now do you <laughs> question what this other person is saying, what, what, what your leader is saying? And I think it's almost been drilled into our brains that you have to honor the man of God. You have to respect the man of God. And <clears throat> isn't part of the challenge or the threat that the moment you start teaching people like T-Mac apologetics, mm. These people, they now become <laughs> rebels and now they're starting to question every sermon. Mm -hmm. and, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, yeah. would you say maybe that's been part of the motivation, maybe an insecurity from the church's part to really yeah. teach and equip people yeah. based on that? I don't know. I mean, this is just my... Yeah. Um, I think... I, I do think so. Um, I think um, at times it's there's there's an abuse there's an abuse of authority that comes in with that paul actually commended the churches that would fact check everything he was saying he says no you didn't just take everything you went and you looked it up in the scriptures to see that what i was saying was actually true yeah um so as a congregant i have an obligation to myself and to my relationship with god to fact check everything you know to say okay look you know the pastor said this I should have or be able to go through the scriptures myself. Similarly with apologetics, I should be able to justify um, my position myself um, mm -hmm. and not just take everything face value. Um, so I do think there may be um, a bit of abuse of power that creeps into it. Um, at, at the cross, the veil was torn between you know, the high priest and um, the inner courts, the Holy of Holies and the outer and the inner courts. So, yeah. you know, giving us that access to God ourselves, you know, doesn't mean that pastors and teachers don't have their role. They do have their role. But as individuals, we have an obligation as well yeah. to know for ourselves. Yeah. T-Mac, anything you want to say about that? My mind went on a bit of a tangent. <laughs> as it does. So I was just not thinking of how <laughs> Paul's approach was more, a little bit more academic. And then there'd be the approach of other people who had had experiences with Jesus, like people who were healed. And then next thing they're going into the town and they're telling everybody. And, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's also as aggressive. And maybe they were able to reach some people through sharing their experience whereas Paul was able to reach more academically minded people through sharing his knowledge so I don't know that's just where my mind was going for that moment yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I think there's got to be a balance yeah because the experiential 
side of things, like you rightly mentioned, right? I, I don't think that should be discounted because people mm-hmm. do experience God. People do experience God's presence in worship. Sometimes somebody gets healed. So, you know, the things that God does that we can't just explain uh, using logic, right? Yeah. Can I even say that? Yeah, the, the th- because yeah. God, God is by nature God, right? So th- there's certain mm. thi- things about God that we, we can't logically understand uh, or we can't comprehensively understand, right? right? right. Um, but at the same time, I think the challenge comes when the experience is not undergirded by some sort of truth mm. or theology, and this is how people then kind of go yeah. off the rails. Yeah, and where the experience becomes almost an idol. Yes. Yeah. So now mm. you're moving from experience to experience, whereas um, the the one thing that we're supposed to use as our basis is the Word of God. We should always come back to the Word of God, right? <laughs> mm. Sorry. That that is the the, the more, <laughs> that is the most important. Yeah. Um, tool that we've got the, right. the word of god and uh, um if you look at the scripture that if when the the trans what the transfiguration right where those guys experience they've this amazing experience of jesus mm-hmm. and they see elijah and moses right. and all of that um and yet the instruction right that in fact i'm, for, I'm forgetting i'm forgetting the actual quotation but um it's Paul who's not Paul Peter who's saying, but we have a more sure word of prophecy, mm-hmm. right? So this guy has experienced all of right. that. He could have just built his whole theology on oh, the yeah, fact yeah, that he experienced yeah. these amazing him. things, yeah. but he still came back to the sure word of prophecy, which is the yeah. word of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that that should tell us yeah. something that no matter how amazing an experience is, mm-hmm. we should always bring it back to to the word because that is the solid. Yeah. Foundation. Because obviously during um, lockdown, there's no physical gathering of the saints in a right. church, right? Mm-hmm. So people have now done digital church. Mm. So these churches <laughs> that are are very experiential and do the healings and the deliverances and whatever. So now they're doing it, but digitally. So like, <laughs> people are manifesting at home and recording it. <laughs> oh, are it's you like lying? being broadcast, and then the pastor's praying for me is for that person. People who's are manifesting, manifesting at, home. at home. Yes. <laughs> so I just that like, guys, like, are you that focused on having yeah. that? You know that experience. Yeah, I yeah. just was like, oh, not just praying, you know, Bibles for a while. I don't know, like that's also okay. <laughs> All right, so I think for the sake of time, right. um, I want us to start wrapping up here. So, T, I think the one question that I want to ask, right? Um, <clears throat> you, as someone who's walked the journey, who's been on the journey, I remember times I would talk to you and you're like, dude, I've just been. Uh, voraciously consuming Ravi videos <laughs> and yeah. so, so I know you're somebody who's really invested a lot you know in your own faith in your own journey with God mm. um, I guess the question I would want to ask is how does one get started right right how, how does someone begin to um, yeah, begin on this journey of apologetics mm. um, as we said it's not Apologetics is not like replacing the gospel, True. but it's it's clearing the bushes. Yeah, right. Maybe somebody wants to to start to learn how to 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 witness better, or they want to know more about their faith, just so that they can defend, they can uh, clarify truth claims, all of that. How how can one begin? Yeah. So, 
and I think that's that's a very very important question. Um, you know, it sort of demystifies the notion that it's only for you know the professors of Oxford to make these arguments out. You know, you can actually learn about apologetics yourself in the comfort of home. Um, digitally, there's so many materials um, that you can get involved with, um, whether it's on YouTube, podcasts, and books, of course. And I'll, I'll qualify the order of, of hierarchy. You know, I think I think YouTube and podcasts, it's it's sound bites that are easy to digest, Please easy to follow. On a podcast, right? <laughs> <laughs> we say anything. You know, it's, it's Be easy careful, to digest. <laughs> I'll, I'll swallow my words and test them first. <laughs> you know, it's 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 um it's it's easy to digest. You know, so you've got professors, you've got people who've already created or thought through the arguments, and you're literally just listening to them. So specific ones, um, Frank Turek, Turek T U R E K. Yeah, um, he he he's got Q and A sessions. He does he does a few long podcasts. Um, his YouTube channel is Cross Examined. Um, you've got James Warner Wallace. I I really love his material because he he his target audience are really um, people who are keen to learn, but he's arguing from a place that you don't know anything at all. Right. So he's the author of Cold Case Christianity yeah. and um, God's Crime Scene. You know, so he's a very very good. Um, person to start with and to listen to and to listen to his testimony how he went through from coming from an atheistic worldview raised in a Mormon family Whoa. to become um, a very avid Christian apologist so he co-chairs with um, Turek a lot as I am definitely you know um, they've got lots of materials on their YouTube channel yeah um, you know, you can go on and on on the videos. They're very, very explanative. And I would also mention William Lane Craig. I think those are probably my four um, really, really good materials to start with. And from there, from a podcast or from a YouTube channel, delve into the actual books because in the books is where the detail actually is. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't necessarily start with the books if there's except one specific book, uh, Frank Turek's. Because I do not have enough faith to be an atheist, you know. <laughs> that's 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 a very good book to start with. So he starts with the very simple basics and sort of builds on principles until you feel confident enough to stand your own ground. Yeah, yeah. So um, I think that's a good place to start. You know, um, podcasts, YouTube channels, books, and definitely you know escalate from there into courses. And you know programs that you can enlist and enroll on online. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, thank you for that. And I, I will echo what uh, Doctor T has said. I personally did the course with uh, with RZIM, the the course in apologetics called the Core Module, and very very good course. And it just basically it breaks down the whole process. And mm -hmm. Ravi Zacharias takes that together with all the other members of the team. So there's quite a lot there, and I know <clears throat> uh, th there's a cost to it, but they, they also offer discounts and scholarships and things like that. Um, but I really believe that it's such an important subject and such an important tool. I mean, today we've just literally, you know, we, we've barely covered yeah. um, the, the the actual meat of it. But I think, you know, just as a starting point, if you can 
begin to to really think through these things seriously think through your own faith because we're living in such a tricky time right now where there's we're bombarded by constant philosophies and worldviews and everyone has got an opinion and this and there's even more challenging questions for Christians you know now you're, you're confronted with things like abortion yeah. this and LGBTQI. Uh, LGBTQI and all the other letters XYZ. that come after that. <laughs> you know, there's just so much yeah. that um, a typical believer has to think through. And I think it's important for us to uh, read, study, listen to what other people who've actually invested in addressing these issues from a Christian standpoint have um, said and, and have written. Okay, so we're going to wrap it up here. Any closing remarks from you, Dr. T? Um, well, I guess I'll say that apologetics is for everyone. It's not something that's for the elite few or the learned few. I think it's something that we should all be participating in. Um, I'll, I'll give one scripture, 1 Peter 3.15, mm-hmm. where we're all called um, to participate in apologetics in one form or another. Um, so definitely get into it. You know, find what um, makes you tick and run with it. You know, don't uh, shrug back. Um, it's an area that we all benefit from doing and those around you are going to benefit from from your knowledge and you'll be surprised how people will start to gravitate towards you for answers Mm. because more and more you're starting to give answers that make sense other than just it's my truth and you have your own truth and go find your truth out there and no one will bother you so so yeah it's for everyone Yeah. yeah thank you T-Mac. Awesome. No, no, no. Got nothing from me. Okay. Cool. Well, thank you guys for listening. And we really hope that this conversation was helpful and um, informative for you to begin to begin the journey. We're going to be continuing with these discussions and these conversations. Um, if you have any questions, if any comments, uh, you can catch us on our social media pages and we'll be keen to address them and to converse with you. But for now, we are done. Thank you so much for listening. God bless. Great. You're welcome. Dr. T. Thank welcome. You. Always a pleasure to be here. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Radiant Culture Podcast. If you want to make a contribution, make a suggestion, or have a request, you can get in touch with us via email on radiantatthehub.co.zw or inbox us on Facebook and Twitter. Look out for the next episode and remember to share this one with everybody you know. God bless. It's hot. It's fresh. It's uncut. Hashtag Real Talk on the Radiant Culture Podcast.